Hey there, this is Jay Blake Fischera of the Score to Death Radio and Saturday Night Movie Sleepover Podcasts. And I'm also the author of the Score to Death book series. With the Score to Death books, I explored the craft of creating horror film music through detailed interviews with many of the genre's greatest composers. And now I am turning the books into a documentary. Production is already underway, but we really have only just begun. If you're listening to this between September 27th and November 1st of 2022, you can help make the definitive documentary about horror film music a reality. And while you're at it, also pick up some very cool tier rewards. So if you love horror movies and or film music, head over to Kickstarter and support Score to Death, the dark art of scary movie music. And keep up with the film's progress on social media by following at Score to Death or at scoretodeath.com. Today on The One Upbeat. We travel back 25 years again as orchestral game music started hitting the mainstream and cover five games where live orchestras play prominent roles in the soundtracks. You'll hear music from Noriyuki Iwadare, Takayuki Hattori, Michael Giacchino, and more. Sound Radio Network. Welcome back to the show and thanks for listening. I've been trying to put this show together for a little while. Last year we covered 1996 in our mega episode, and it was tempting to do the exact same thing for 1997, but it just felt like too much. So I figured it might be better to hone in on a specific theme for 1997. There were a small handful of games with live orchestral recordings in the soundtracks for 1996. Only one or two I can really think of in 1995. But it was really 1997 where it started to become more prominent. Developers were becoming more familiar with the CD format for games, and that made it really easy to get larger audio files on the physical medium. So today we'll do a nice little overview of five games that let orchestras really run loose and have a good time. When I think of the early days of the PlayStation and what really made them different from Nintendo or Sega, it really was the quirkier, weirder stuff that stands out for me. There was a very noticeable PlayStation style that was undeniable. They both take themselves seriously and are weird. It's not an ironic weirdness either. It's also more adult feeling than even Sega and surely Nintendo games, but not just blood and violence, it's tonally so. One of the games that always pops into my head when I think of this type of game is Intelligent Cube. Known as IQ Intelligent Cube in Japan and Kurushi in Europe, it's a puzzle platformer. Instead of me trying to explain how it works, how it looks, just go look up some footage on YouTube and I think it'll become obvious very quickly. It was one of the games that featured prominently on the early PlayStation demo discs. For those under 20, a demo disc was a sort of mixtape of short playable teasers for games that usually came in a game magazine or was included in big games to promote the smaller ones. For those of us growing up in the 90s without a ton of money to blow on a new game every week like you kids these days, demo discs were the only ways that we experienced some of these games. 
In my case, it was my entire exposure to Intelligent Cube. Because of this, I didn't know that this game had music for a long time. Somehow, Intelligent Cube didn't have music in the demo version. Whether it was to take up less space on the demo disc or because the music wasn't recorded yet, it wasn't there. Strangely, when I did come across the soundtrack later in life, I did still recognize a lot of the pieces. Maybe it was just because of the overall retro gaming zeitgeist, but I knew it. The music itself is kind of awesome. It's got this big orchestral sound mixed with a feeling of unease or terror. I guess when you're trying to write an orchestral score to a company running around as a little person trying to clear gigantic blocks, that'll do it. Composer Takayuki Hattori was a natural choice, with experience on a number of Godzilla films and being the son and grandson of composers. Hattori's orchestral chops are on full display here. The best news is that if you're subscribed to PlayStation's newfangled PlayStation Plus service, one of the tiers lets you play the game in all of its original glory. It's a really fun time and worth checking out, if just for the novelty of it. Here's some music from Intelligent Cube, composed by Takayuki Hattori.
video game music coming out of your speakers. This is the One Upbeat on Cinematic Sound Radio. After success on Secret of Evermore, composer Jeremy Soule left Squaresoft after they moved from Seattle to Los Angeles and joined Ron Gilbert's Humongous Entertainment. There he scored Freddy Fish, Pajama Sam, and Putt-Putt. Gilbert would become the producer of, and then asked Soule to score Total Annihilation in 1997. While still a number of years off from becoming the big name he is today, Total Annihilation is notable for being Soul's first use of a live orchestra, and one of the very few since. Soul teamed up with the Northwest Symphonia in Seattle. At 95 members strong, they give the game a real high-quality sound. That was the point overall for Total Annihilation, with developer Cave Dog Entertainment focusing on making every aspect of the game a step above the rest at the time. While the project was a success, Cave Dog itself filed for bankruptcy in 2000. The rights to Total Annihilation and about 20 developers in the company itself would go through many different companies throughout the years. Soul's score for the game certainly made an impact regardless. There's dynamic and exciting action music throughout the score. It really sounded like the sort of thing a young, hungry composer in his 20s would write. That's meant as completely as a compliment, by the way. The score has energy and excitement without sounding like it was written by an amateur. Soul was already at the top of his game and was rewarded for it later, as we know. Here's music from Total Annihilation, composed by Jeremy Soul.
best music ever recorded for video games is here on The One Upbeat with your host, Eric Silver. One of my favorite parts of doing the show is while researching, you find some really neat and obscure things. Part of the fun of doing themed segments is taking the time to compile a list of games that fit the criteria. So when I decided to focus on 1997, I knew a bunch of the games that I wanted to include off the top of my head, but of course I spend the time going through lists to try to find the stuff that I missed or stuff that I knew about and forgot about. Then I stumble across stuff like Nessa no Hoshi. This is a weird one. It's an original PlayStation game that has a first-person adventure gameplay and then transitions to battles which turns it into a 3D fighting game. This is all accompanied by a simultaneously classic film score sounding and avant-garde score by composer Kiyoshi Yoshikawa. The score is very interesting in this respect. There's a boldness to the writing that has very rarely been seen by game music to this point, and frankly hasn't been explored nearly at all as much as it should have since. Imagine a classic 70s sci-fi film score that really captures the feeling of being otherworldly. There's a beauty to the alien sounds. It's really amazing to think that in the advent of 3D gaming, where most games look like goofy primitive cartoons, that it was even discussed to do such a serious score. And I don't mean serious in that it's no fun, but taking itself so seriously as a piece of art. For all the discussions about games as an art form, I think it's as simple as when real creatives take the job of creating seriously. Nessa Nohoshi is that in every sense. It might look almost laughable now, but the music surely holds up. I think I'll want to expand on this idea later in some form. For now, sit back and relax, and really try to soak the music in. I'm sure most of you listening haven't even heard of the game before, but I think the music will definitely make you interested. Here's music from Nessa Nohoshi, composed by Kiyoshi Yoshikawa.
You are listening to The One Upbeat with your host, Eric Silva. Many of you know that before he became Mr. Disney, Michael Giacchino composed for quite a few games at the turn of the millennium. While he had written for games for a few years previously, it was really 1997 where he got to the big times, composing music for the video game adaptation of The Lost World Jurassic Park. When you listen to the music, you definitely hear that Giacchino style, and the music is definitely more upbeat and positive than Williams' music for the film. The legend of this game's music is familiar to many, where Giacchino worked up a synth demo piece of music for Steven Spielberg. Spielberg loved it, and just assumed that it would be recorded with an orchestra, even though it wasn't planned. Well, it was now. Giacchino worked with the Northwest Symphonia to record the score that was recorded on February 15th and 16th, 1997, and received an original soundtrack release. After the success of the soundtrack, Spielberg famously called Giacchino, quote, a young John Williams, which is very prophetic considering at this point in history, Giacchino has scored more Jurassic Park movies than John Williams himself. The success of the score did great things for orchestral game music, allowing Giacchino's next batch of games, scores like the Medal of Honor series, to use a live orchestra. Obviously, this career skyrocketed from there, but it's always nice to touch on the origin story a little bit. Maybe we'll do a little bit more of an in-depth look at some of the other games, since this was basically the beginning of an era of Western games prioritizing orchestral music in some of those bigger releases. Here are some selections from The Lost World Jurassic Park, composed by Michael Giacchino.
the best symphonic game music from every generation this is the one upbeat on cinematic sound radio thanks tim finally on the show today where i mentioned in the previous segment about the lost world being the beginning of orchestral music in western games 
A few years before 1997, Japan had been dabbling into orchestral music itself. They had the opening theme from Ark the Lad in 1995 be a live orchestral recording, and a couple other instances leading into 1997. Final Fantasy VII would get three live orchestral recordings on the Reunion Tracks soundtrack version of the score in 1997, but it didn't appear in game. 1997 did give us game arts Grandia. Grandia was a classic RPG. While every RPG from the time had sort of its own spin on the genre, you could still point to the classics of the time, really starting with the Super Nintendo era, and by 1997, the genre would clearly be in PlayStation's lap at that point. You can tell a lot of love went into these games. We spoke briefly earlier about the games as art and the RPGs of the 90s are clearly the pinnacle of that concept. The developers didn't let the technological limits stop them from taking their craft seriously. These so easily can be said as well about Noriyuki Iwadare's original score for the game. Grandia's opening theme music is a contender for the best ever, no joke. It accompanies a beautifully animated opening cutscene that does one of the best jobs ever of giving you a taste of what kind of great adventure you're about to embark on. Iwadare calls it one of the turning points of his career, and if that doesn't communicate his fondness for this time on the series, he went on to compose the music for every other Grandia game. Grandia is a very special soundtrack. Grandiose, exciting, inspiring, and every good word you could use to describe great music that's accompanying a great adventure. I thought that made it appropriate to end the show with that today. They really don't make music like this anymore in games, so enjoy it here. This is music from Grandia, composed by Noriyuki Iwadare. Thanks for tuning in this time, and I hope you look forward to the next time. This has been The One Upbeat, and I am Eric Silver.
Thank you for listening to the Cinematic Sound Radio Podcast. I want to thank Tim Burton for providing his voice for all the bumpers you hear throughout the program, and to David Casina for providing Cinematic Sound Radio's theme music. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please email us at cinematicsound at yahoo.com. You can find us on social media, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And wherever you're listening to us today, please take a moment right now to leave us a rating and a review of the podcast. You can get a Cinematic Sound Radio t-shirt at our Tee Public store. You can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash cinematicsoundradio. And don't forget to check us out on the web at cinematicsound.net. <laughs>